Grace, mercy, and peace are all yours from God our Father, through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, are you one who likes to know the story, how it ends, before you've read the story? When you pick up a book, do you turn and read the last page first? I know it might sound like an absurd question. I don't. But there are actually people who do. And in fact, there's been a recent study, a January 2023 article, about such people who read the last page first. And if you are, you're not weird, according to the study. You actually enjoy the book better. Some people enjoy the book better when they read the last page first. It's okay to do that. And Jesus, in our gospel lesson today, shows us it's okay to do that, especially when we read his book. He wants us to read the last page first. He wants us to know how the story ends before it happens. And the reason is, Jesus wants us to know that no matter what happens in your life, even when really bad things happen, and bad things are going to happen, he wants us to know that Jesus is in charge. He's got things under control, always, especially when it doesn't feel like it. And the story he's writing in our life, as long as we're following him and trusting in him, it's going to end well. It's going to end very well. It's going to end perfectly as it begins anew. Our gospel lesson is the account of Jesus taking three of his disciples, Peter, James, and John, up on a mountain hike to get away from all the mayhem that was going on amongst him and his disciples. And little do the disciples know that Jesus is about to prepare them for his greatest calling. The last five weeks we've been talking about callings, vocations. Well, Jesus is the one who did the one big thing. That's why you don't have to go searching for the one big thing. He's going to prepare the disciples on this mountain of transfiguration for his one big thing. To be offered up as the atoning sacrifice for the sins of the entire world with a brutal and humiliating, torturous death and resurrection. On this mountain, Jesus is transfigured, Greek word metamorphosized. You may know the Greek word from the famous Franz Kafka book, The Metamorphosis. There are many stories that are variations of this original story, The Metamorphosis. A story of a young man named Gregor Samsa who works to care for his parents and sister. But to his horror and their horror one day, he wakes up to his metamorphosis. He turns into an insect. Long story short, I hope you've read the book, or I'll be telling you the tragic ending before you've read it. Gregor never becomes human again. His family ends up neglecting him, even resenting his insect-like being. He has a broken heart. He goes and crawls under his couch or bed and dies of starvation. Not a happy ending. Thank God Jesus is not metamorphosized into an insect in our gospel lesson. That would be a little creepy. He is metamorphosized or transfigured into his resurrected self. Before he's been crucified even. Before he's dead and buried and resurrected. 
Jesus was transfigured. His body was transfigured into what it would be and look like at his resurrection. When Jesus, though still a man, would take back all of his glory, all of his power as true God. So what does this mean to be transfigured? Matthew describes it for us. Jesus' face shone like the sun. That means you can't look at it straight on. His clothes became white as light. They were very bright. And if that wasn't enough, Moses and Elijah, two guys who are supposed to be dead, or at least not on the earth, they appear and start talking to Jesus. Back in the Old Testament, they couldn't stand in the glory of God. And here they are now, standing and talking with the very glory of God, Jesus in the flesh. And it's such an awesome experience that Peter wants to build shelters. Tis good Lord to be here, we just sing, and those are the words of Peter. And Peter, it sounds like, can at this point still talk to Jesus. And then a bright cloud comes flying over, and God the Father himself speaks. A booming voice. The same words that God the Father spoke at Jesus' baptism, he speaks here. At the beginning of the ministry, and now right before he does the most important work of his ministry, to be crucified for the sins of the world, God speaks. This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. And as that voice from heaven booms, Peter, James, and John, they fall on their faces. They can't even look at Jesus. He's so full of glory. And soon, they look up. Moses and Elijah are gone. All they see is Jesus, and Jesus has the comforting words, Rise, get up, and don't be afraid. So why does Jesus do this? And why now? The answer is because Jesus knew what was about to happen. They were going to go head down this mountain and they were going to encounter a demon. And that wasn't the big deal. Jesus was going to cast out the demon with no problem. They were going to encounter a big feud amongst people. And that wasn't a big deal. He was going to calm the crowd down, no problem. But then they were going to encounter Satan's plan to destroy Jesus. Roman soldiers, a governor of Judea named Pilate, Pharisees and Sadducees, they were all going to gather to convict Jesus. Convict Jesus falsely and ultimately kill him with public execution in front of millions of people who would swell upon the city of Jerusalem for the Passover. Even the disciples would show their metamorphosis into insect-like beings as they would betray, deny, and abandon Jesus in the darkness of Gethsemane. Yes, these would become dark times, so Jesus shows them the light before the darkness has come. In the darkness, the light of Jesus shines. Jesus transfigures all the darkness of Satan and his plans with his light. Light not of the world, but only light that he can create. Light from him. Jesus will show that he has power to cast out demons, for sure. Conquer the plans of Romans and Jews, yes, but not as humans would do. But only as God can do. With God's grace displayed in humble sacrifice. 
And so Jesus is transfigured on the high mountain before his resurrection has even happened. To show Peter, James, and John that the story does not end with the Romans or the Jews winning. It does not end with Satan winning. It does not end with sin or death winning. Jesus wins. And they need to know that now before they read the rest of the story. Jesus' body will be raised. And it will be more than raised. It will be transfigured with God's glory by the power of God's voice speaking upon it. The same voice they heard from the cloud saying, This is my son, will raise his body to glory. The disciples get to hear the voice now. It is real. It exists. It's powerful. It will be transfigured, the body of Jesus, that is, as fulfillment of God's voice that was spoken by the prophets hundreds of years earlier, especially through prophets like Moses and Elijah, who are, surprised, not dead. They're alive with God. As all of your loved ones who have died in the faith in Christ. So when you think on them, think on Moses and Elijah at the Mount of Transfiguration. How awesome is that? That's what they're experiencing right now. Transfiguration 24-7. And after Jesus is resurrected, he will gather his disciples. He will remind them they're not alone. Even after he ascends into heaven, he promises, I'm with you always, even to the end of the world. And he will provide for them, always, even in the really tough times. And he will provide each other for them. He will strengthen their faith their individual faith, and he will strengthen their community, faith together, so that they go out into the world and take his light into the darkness. You are the light of the world, he told the disciples. Go out into the world. You don't retreat from the world. You don't retreat when you're a Christian from the problems, from the darknesses of the world. The disciples, as you read the book of Acts and read history in the first centuries, they don't hide until Jesus returns. They go out and they face persecution. They face the darkness of the world and they transfigure the world, not with their light, but with the light of Jesus. With the proclamation that Jesus was crucified for the forgiveness of sins and raised to glory so that we too will be raised to glory. The disciples needed to hear the last page of the story. The last page of the story that Jesus was writing then. And so do you today. Because after church today, after you get to hear God's voice speak to you, and after you get to be in the presence, the true and real presence, the transfigured Jesus, and after you get to eat His true body and blood for your forgiveness, and after you get to see how your destiny does not end with a cold, long death, but begins with your transfigured body. Well, after you have this mountaintop experience today, and each time actually you come here and gather in God's name with His church, His other believers who follow Him, around His word and sacraments, well, after all that, today and each week, you have to go down the mountain. You have to go down and enter the world again. You don't get to withdraw and hide from the world, from the darkness. 
You've been called to follow Jesus. And he goes into the darkness with all the light of the world. You will face demons. You will face struggles and fighting and bickering and darkness of even Satan scheming from hell. But Jesus promised, not even the gates of hell will overcome my kingdom. There will be earthquakes and famines and great storms and wars and rumors of wars, divisions and great discord all around. Jesus promised it. Not because he wants it, but because he knows it's coming. But that's why you have to know the last page of the story. It's going to be dark to your human eyes, but to your baptized eyes and your baptized heart and your baptized mind, you know the last page of the story. You know that Jesus wins. In fact, you today know something that Peter, James, and John didn't know back then on the Mount of Transfiguration. You know the last page of the story. It's happened. Jesus has already won. And that's the big news. And that's why we still come and gather. We gather to get light and take it to the darkness. The light has overcome the darkness. The light of Jesus goes wherever you go. Jesus' light is way stronger than any darkness you will face. His light is stronger than all the iPhones at the Super Bowl lighting up the Super Bowl. And his eye, not his iPhone, but his eye is always upon you. Because he loves you. He who died for you, he who is risen for you, he who is living for you in all his transfigured, metamorphosized glory and power is working mightily for you All the time. He forgives your sins today, just like he did last week, as he's going to do next week, as he does tomorrow. He puts his glory into your mouth to eat and drink and digest today. And Satan hates that. Satan won't go near you when you have the light of the glory of Jesus shining in you and around you. And that's why we gather. We hate Satan. There's one thing you can hate. It's Satan and death and sin. We gather to get light from Jesus so he won't come near us. We gather as families each weekend here to get the light of Jesus. And we gather as a family, no matter what walk of life you come from, we are God's chosen family together. Gathered here to be transfigured by Jesus each weekend. We celebrate this Sunday, Transfiguration Sunday, but actually we celebrate it every Sunday. Today we celebrate it with bringing a cross in and singing lots of hallelujahs. We sing it after the late service by going downstairs and having a family meal. Bring your family and bring your family to join the big family. We are family. And all the things you can't control in your family or in your community, or in your school, or in your work, or in your country, or even in the world. Jesus and his transfigured glorified body, his glorified kingdom, he can control. And he has it under control, even when it doesn't look like it is under control. The disciples ask the same questions you and I ask him. Why are you letting this happen? When are you going to put an end to it? Jesus has it under control. He's got it all figured out. And we may not get it right now, as the disciples didn't get it then. But one day we will. We'll get it, as they and all who have died in faith now get it. 
with Moses and Elijah standing before the transfigured Jesus. This is my beloved son, God the Father boomed his voice. Listen to him. And so that's what we do on this Transfiguration Sunday and every Sunday of our life, every day of our life. As we go back into the darkness, as we go back down the mountain of Transfiguration, we have one task, and that's to listen to Him. Listen to the very Son of God who gave His life for yours. Listen to the very Son of God who is risen to all His glory. The last page of His story guides us. We leave here today for the world, not afraid of the darkness, not ready to hide and retreat, because we have the light of the world. We have Jesus Christ shining brightly, so brightly into our lives, and the darkness can't overcome it. In Jesus' name, amen.